0: Nazmul, we are back. We have named the podcast Outsource to Profits. And today's episode, we are going to dive into some of the questions that customers and prospects ask around outsourcing best practices, kind of like an FAQ. So with that, why don't we kick right off and you dive into the first question.
1: It might be a very silly question, but people do ask this. Uh, They are asking, are outsourcing and offshoring the same thing? Yeah, I
0: think that it's the same thing. It's just that people have used these kind of ubiquitous terms. And offshoring, if you just think about it, I live here in North America. Offshoring just means taking talent that is outside of the shores, outside of the continent of North America. But the definition of outsourcing also then means... Taking core competencies and skills that are not the core to your business. So I'll give you an example. My company pipeline signals. What does it do? It creates sales qualified leads for our customers and then teaches them what to do. So the two core competencies are the collection of data turned into sales intelligence given to the sale to the sales organization. And then it's a teaching business as well. So anything outside of the realm of data collection and education isn't a core competency to the business. So from an outsourcing standpoint, I'm not a marketing expert, so what do we do? We met an agency, Nazmul, you are that agency owner, and we have outsourced um, marketing. Finance is a very common one to outsource. A lot of companies, their core competency isn't bookkeeping, accounting, corporate controlling. So they will outsource that function. That doesn't always mean that the outsource is actually offshore. So uh, maybe I'm kind of retracting my first answer. They are different, but many times are used interchangeably. But kind of to recap, an offshore means the talent that I am acquiring will not live on the shores of North America. Outsourcing just means I look at the functions of my business that are not core to our understanding or expertise. Engineering, human resources, finance, marketing, uh, customer support. These are areas and functions that most companies aren't great at so that they've outsourced to agencies, BPOs, partners.
1: I want to add one more thing to it. So there's another term called nearshoring, which means maybe you want to give the work but maybe you're not comfortable giving the work to some country um, where there's a 12 hours difference. Maybe you want to give uh, uh, the work to a country that is very close to you. For, uh, for example, Germany uh, usually, when they think about nearshoring, they work with probably um, uh, the nearest you know, countries out there, probably Turkey, right? So with along with this outsourcing, offshoring, there's another term, called sharing, I just thought I'd uh, point it. So another thing, and, and now let's, you know, dive deeper and you can go as des- details as possible, but people want to know the pros and cons of outsourcing to a company and outsourcing to a freelancer. Let's start with outsourcing to a company. What are the pros and cons? What are your thoughts?
0: The outsourcing to a company is you're expected to have some level of infrastructure that comes with that. So give this example. You outsource marketing or parts of marketing to an agency, uh, such as your agency, Nesmol. So what I would expect is you have a hiring process. It's going to have hardware and software infrastructure. That might mean people come with computers, internet lines, uh, marketing software, Uh, CRM or marketing automation databases. So now I, the business owner, don't need to buy some of these things. Uh, You might have a physical office. That physical office can deploy people into that office. I don't need to go buy furniture. And because you are a company, you're now responsible for payroll, tax remittance. So I'm paying one central agency and they're dispersing the funds amongst their employees. So that's my expectation is that I am buying obviously an outcome, but that the agency will take responsibility for thinking through the people process and technology that will make that outcome come to life.
1: I agree. And what would you say the pros and cons or what are your thoughts on outsourcing to freelancers? Yeah, and actually
0: I'll touch on the pro and con back uh, if we think about to a company. The pro meaning um, most likely, I don't have to worry about the devils in the details. We can talk about the strategy that we want to accomplish, the goals we want to accomplish, the KPIs and OKRs, KPIs, Key Performance Indicators, OKRs, or I almost don't even remember what that stands for anymore, but that's a, a form of performance measurement. And we drive towards those milestones so that's the pro the con i'm a big believer that if i think of everything like a pendulum okay and we can become over indexed and overweighted in in the amount of responsibility that you can give to an agency and i actually have had these horror stories more specifically on the devops and engineering side what ends up happening Or even on the marketing side with our original website at Pipeline Signals. What happens is you become so self-reliant on the agency and the agency creates these hooks where they own the tools that connect to your website. Your website is connected to their servers. If you want to decouple from that agency, the pain becomes enormous. On the engineering and DevOps, they might write on custom code or they've done these things that the decoupling Yes you own the intellectual property yes you own the, the property like the website or the, the software that you've built but it's the decoupling from an agency that you become too over reliant on when you turn the tap off of payment so does it, it crumbles an entire function or department in your business
1: now let's talk about the pros and cons of, on like, you know outsourcing to a freelancer: yeah so the freelance And when we use freelance, um, there's many ways
0: to structure employment agreements, right? They might start fractional. They can move towards full time. The way that you pay, do you pay weekly? Do you pay monthly? Do you pay for performance? Do you draw, do draw against commission? So there's, those are details. When we mean freelance, it is, this is an independent contractor who will either have fractional or full time employment with you. And some of the benefits of course, is complete flexibility from, and I'm going to speak from a CEO's perspective. Uh, I am not burdened with unemployment insurances, medical dental benefits. Um, I'm not burdened with severance pays. We might have a project, that project will take 30 days, 90 days, it might be infinitely long. But our partnership is like a month to month, I provide you a, a fee or a salary. And you, the contractor, provide me value, work in exchange. And as long as we're adhering to that contract, then we're great. But if there's something that goes wrong, I can decouple from that contract quite easily. It allows me to also create specialists in certain roles and responsibilities. So as an example, one of the the, the challenges, let's use marketing agency as an example. You start you start using an agency to help you with, I'm putting air quotes here, in marketing. What ends up happening is they are specialist in certain areas of marketing and maybe not in others. That's what's known as full stack marketing. They may be great at organic content marketing, but not at paid marketing. What happens is the agency might be quite great at telling you yes to everything. So you keep putting more and more funds into the basket, they're getting better and better at content marketing, but they're not strong on the paid side. Well, now you've got a problem because the agency doesn't want you to hire a whole bunch of independents that are outside of them, but that's not their core competency. One of the benefits of individual freelancers is you can hire specialists that are the best at a certain function in marketing, or they are the best at DevOps or engineering of a certain code, or they are a finance expert in QuickBooks. And so you can have areas of concentration and depth that you might not have had by uh, partnering with a generalist agency. Some of the challenges is you go through all the devils in the detail. You are now responsible for payroll. You are now responsible for HR issues. You are now responsible for team dynamics and culture um but that's you know i think it's it's what are you trying to build and that's where there is a balance in my business at pipeline signal specifically i have an agency on the marketing side as bold as your company i have an agency on the engineering side you know we have a partner in india where they control all of the software development but then every other function is independent contractors why? Because we can independently put in specialists in certain roles.
1: So I want to add one or, one or two things. If somebody comes to me and say, hey, so tell me, which one should I pick? Um, should I work with an agency or should I work with a freelancer? To be honest with you, it's not that easy of an answer. You kind of have to decide what kind of benefits you want and what are you okay with, right? For example, when you're dealing with multiple freelancers, you're then suddenly dealing with multiple people's problem. so you have to take that, you know, in, 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 into account. You are dealing with maybe we're dealing with five different freelancers. You are dealing with five different emotions, five different time zones. Probably I don't know. Maybe even if it's two time zones, you're dealing with two different time zones. You're dealing with five people's uh, payments. One might come and say, "I don't take payments from this way. I, I take payments on that." You know. From, uh, with this way and that way, and and uh, our banks are not working, and this is not okay and that is not working, right? But you just have to be okay with it. Um, so, are you okay with it? That's my question. Sometimes, often people come and say, "Hey, these agencies—they are charging a lot more, maybe thirty percent more than if I just hire individual um, freelancers," right? You have to understand—you're not dealing with all these, you know, all these things. The other thing that I'm—I always think about, and I've always mentioned—is that. Are you expert in whatever you're trying to outsource? For example, would you call yourself an expert marketer? If you are, you can definitely work with five or even 10 different freelancers because you kind of know how to manage them. You kind of know what to ask. You kind of know what to expect, right? So when you're dealing with a few different freelancers, you, you have to become the manager and you have to be okay with it. On the other hand, if you work with an agency, you don't need to be the manager anymore. The ma- there will be a manager in the agency who will be taking care of all of these things for you, right? So it totally depends on what are you trying to accomplish, what kind of budget you have. If you have a lower budget, definitely go with freelancers. I would highly recommend maybe going with freelancers. That's okay. You're trying to save money here. But if you're trying to you know, not think about every single thing every single day and trying to like talk with every single freelancers, then probably you can go with uh, agencies. Anyway, I just thought I'd add this. Well, no, and, and if you think about it,
0: so it, uh, it really does come to the type of ELT leadership that you have on your team and the stage of the, the, where you are in the business. As an example, if Pipeline Signals or Sales for Life already had a chief marketing officer, but then it looked at certain marketing roles like it needed somebody for content publishing, it needed a copywriter, it needed uh, somebody for paid media expertise, it would make sense because you already have the manager in place that you would hire freelancers to be specialists in certain roles. But at Pipeline Signals, as when we launched the business, we didn't have an entire marketing strategy, department, anything. So we needed the whole you know, we would say in English, the kit and caboodle, like the, the entire package. We needed the leader who brought a strategic team and that team executed on all these fundamental things within marketing. So the agency made sense. Same on the engineering side. You know, Amar and I, my business partner in Pipeline Signals, are not are non-technical founders. I can't read code. What I can do is I can build you a wireframe of what I think it should look like from my experience. I can tell you what I want it to do, but I needed an engineering leader and a whole bunch of UX designers, coders, you know, testers. Of course, I I, I don't even know how to vet those roles because I know nothing about engineering. So again, I need an agency to take care. I'm just trying to fly the plane from New York to London, I know where I want to go, so I need to just have an entire air crew take me there rather than hire individual pilots, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, now let's talk about uh, the other question that people usually ask. How outsourcing companies work? And I'll give you my own uh, thoughts and then definitely you can add to it. So outsourcing companies, how do they work? There are a few ways they work. They're small companies. Uh, they mostly start working on project base because they are small companies. Usually, they work with smaller clients who want to just work with them on project base. Like, hey, I have this project. I want to build this app or I want to build this um, um, website or whatever it is. Uh, Can you do it for me? So usually, that kind of the relationship starts like that. However, if you're working with a larger company, outsourcing company or BPO company, that's when you tend to hire resources. So we call them um, resource augmentation. That's when you say, hey, I need five developers uh, who are little experience, like five or three years experience, and maybe they have experience in these this and these kind of languages, right? And I will pay you per um, talent that you will be providing me. So that's another model that people usually work on and that's the kind of uh, you know option that every um, our sourcing company uh, want to work with as well because that's when the outsourcing companies also do not need to worry about all the things and they don't have to worry about hey when the project ends what do we do with the all the talents that we just hired uh, so yeah
0: I, I was just going to say as an agency owner and i've been an agency owner in your first model the agency has to be excellent at gross margin management and what's known as avoiding scope creep and this is natural what what that means is nasmool's agency will say i'll take over all your marketing for three thousand dollars a month just make this number up it's his responsibility to find talent that fits within that bucket so that he can still make a profit and that every time I and Amar come up with some harebrained scheme to add more ideas to marketing that wasn't in the original scope of service. That's called scope creep. So now he's doing more work for the same pay, distributing that payout and it's eroding his margins. So one of the challenge, look at pitfalls and challenges, the advantage, you as the founder, me, CEO of Pipeline Signals can budget, I know, I'm paying $3000 I get these outcomes. One of the disadvantages is the agency owner on the other end has to be cognizant of the fact that maybe he has to hire junior people to be able to afford to execute against these constantly evolving tasks that seem to grow all the time to still make money. So not you don't always get the greatest talent for that $3,000 because it's just natural that he's got to fit within that bucket. On the other hand, on the BPO model, meaning I'm paying every time Nazmul is hiring teammates, he can go find a teammate at any cost, but then my costs are linear to the growth of employees needed to execute. So all that I've hired is a manager uh, process manager, they take over the finance, the tax remittance, the, the office supplies and desks. They, all I've done is hired a manager for a region, but I haven't bought an outcome or an, like a full agency model.
1: Yeah. So we want to uh, end the podcast with an important question. And I'm sure all the founders have this. I have thought of this at some point of their you know entrepreneurship life, so they're asking how our sourcing reduces compliance cost?
0: Yes, the biggest one listen i I had a conversation with a customer of ours from the state of Colorado at Christmas of two thousand twenty two okay and two agency owners, ten million dollar agency, and the benefits, payroll taxes. Uh, severance models were moving towards a Canadian model, which the U.S. is less stringent on severance than Canada, Canada less stringent than Europe. But what was happening as agency owners is the hiring of an employee here in North America is not just their salary. There's vacation pay expectations, there are bonus expectations. There's health, medical and dental insurance. There's, there's employment insurance. There's then the insurance you need of the people that work in your physical office. If you have physical people coming into that office, you need extra general liability insurance. Then you need severance and severance, depending on where you, is, where you live is growing by the month, by the year. So what that all equates to is a deferred liability. What that means is that if you were to try to sell your business today, or you were to try to get out of a contract, if you were, I were filming this in April of 2023, if I were to terminate a teammate today, that doesn't mean that the last expense of that teammate is April of 2023, that could drift well months later. I'll give you an example. I had bought out an old business partner in my first company, Sales for Life. The severance of that partner, who's an employee of a business, remember as an owner, you're also an employee, who had been there for 13 years, his severance was 18 months. So that means I'm paying a salary for 18 months post somebody leaving. So what Nazmul is saying is all these insurances and payrolls and taxes and severances make it so that a singular person's salary of $5,000 a month or $10,000 a month has a much greater uh, liability a debt to it than is just the month-to-month pay of their salary. Offshoring or outsourcing typically allows you to create a much more founder-friendly structure. And remember that the teammates that you're hiring are also cognizant of the fact that the flexibility that you're granting, like month to month contracts for freelancers or for agencies means that, you know, they need to provide value every single month. Because otherwise, if they're not, that contract can be null and void and terminated quickly. So the compliance costs spiral, um, can spiral out of control in a people-centric business. Now, when you offshore, yes, you have small little expenses, such as using payment processors to pay people, but it's no different than using ADP or Ceridian here in North America to pay your employees payroll. You know, there's a percentage of fee uh, when you use these payroll processing tools. It's the same offshore, uh, but you you do not have the same... uh, Uh, You might not decide to use HMO or medical dental insurance, severance, um, uh, employment uh, insurances, general liabilities, because you do not necessarily have a physical office. So there is a dramatic reduction in operating expenses along the fact that, of course, the cost per employee or teammate is dramatically lower offshore or outsourcing than it is here in North America.
1: Wow. Wow. Even this was, this was amazing for me as well. When I heard it took you 18 months to say uh, actually buy to a person. Oh my God, that is, that's mind hey, blowing. I had, that's compliance, right? I had, teammates, I had a teammate
0: once at Sales for Life that was with us for maybe a year or two. And the bylaw amount owed, we decided to double it. And they still filed a lawsuit against Sales for Life. My goodness! Um, to get double that. So, as an example, by law, maybe they were owed two months. Yeah. We gave yeah. them four months severance. Wow. And they came back with an employment lawyer of eight months. But the cost of me fighting that yeah. in court, I might as well just pay the eight months. <laughs> and they knew that. And most employment lawyers here in North America know this. Well, that's eight months of a salary going out the door that is not yielding production. And that's at $5,000 or $10,000 a month. That's the entire, for small agencies, sometimes that profitability, yeah. again, fifty dollars or $100,000, yeah. but at a 20% profit business, right. that's right. half a million dollars in revenue to pay off that expense.
1: So, Oh, my God. Yeah, I had no idea it can be this really bad. Good. I had no idea it can be this bad. But uh, we definitely make sh- need to make sure that people watch this part of this podcast. This is, again, even I had no idea that it can become this bad. And I'm sorry I'm mentioning it bad because it's bad for the founder when you have to pay somebody for 18 months or eight months. Oh my God, that's just, that's just insane. Anyway, Jamie, let's close this with this amazing topic that we just discussed about. I love the way we're going. I love the fact that we're actually answering questions that people are asking on the, on the internet, right? So I really hope that this helps. We're not just randomly, you know, opening up and and as, you know looking at what's going on today and what's trending. Um, trending things might not always be helping everybody, right? But but these questions, I genuinely believe, or or the questions that we're even trying to answer, I genuinely believe this will be helping people. Jamie, see you on the next one. Until then bye bye and everybody if you haven't subscribed yet please subscribe and hit that like button and follow us everywhere you can until next time bye